0: This is Poured Over, a show about stories presented by the Booksellers of Barnes & Noble.
1: Barnes & Noble Union Square. Please give a warm welcome to Christine Pry, Joe Piazza, and Miwa Messer.
0: I'm Miwa Messer. I'm the producer and host of Poured Over, but mostly we're just hanging out tonight with two very smart, very funny women who've done a very, very cool thing. A second time in a row, Joe Piazza and Christine Pride have written jointly another novel about tough stuff. I quite admire what you guys have done because it's not easy, as we all know, to have these conversations, right? And some of us, you know, occasionally have people in our lives who actively do not want to have these conversations, right? And that's really fun. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so awesome. Oh, and it's Loving Day today, so even more fun that we're doing this conversation on Loving Day. It really is. Poignant. Yeah, a little trippy, right? But one of the things I really appreciate about the way the two of you handle the work, and we are going to get to the new novel, I promise, is that you talk about how hard it is. Like, you're not pretending this stuff is like, la, la, la. And yes, you're friends. And yes, you like what you're doing and everything else. But you are not pretending. And wow, I am grateful for that. So can we talk about the process? Can we talk about how you guys got together to do all of this? And how hard it was, because that's not a little
2: thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, or meet cute. I know. Do you want me to do it this time? Yeah, okay. you it with
2: cute, and then I'll go into the hard okay, part. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> she perfect.
1: She really likes it when I do this part, because I say something that she likes. So, Christine was my editor uh, on my last solo novel, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. And she was one of the best editors that I've ever had. I have two other editors in the audience right now. Hi, guys. I love you. Up until that point, she was the best editor I'd ever had. And we became fast friends and really liked working together. And we, did, after Charlotte Walsh, Christine um, got tapped to do this really quick project for the TV show Younger. Do we have any younger fans here? Yeah, because you guys all work in publishing. Uh, And (laughs) we had four weeks to write the book Marriage Vacation. And it just blurred the line between editor and really co-writer because we had to write it so quickly, with so many crazy edits, I've never been told to make a sex scene dirtier five times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I, like, dirtier, are we dirtier, we and every like, time we turn into the the people, I'm like, like, I younger. don't even know
1: what else they can do in this book.
2: Darren Star is very Darren dirt. Star, guys. Woo! <laughs> 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 uh, and so
1: after that, we knew we wanted to keep working together. And Christine had like long had an idea for a book. As an editor, I feel like editors are always like thinking of ideas that they don't see in the marketplace, and I think Christine kind of proposed to me like on a lark, like maybe maybe we'll talk about this one day. And I was like, great, we're doing it right now.
2: And typical oh. Joe style.
1: Yes. And we did. And it was for We Are Not Like Them. And I'll let yeah. you take it over from there.
2: Uh, but as you know, just to follow up on what Mimo was saying, we we agreed to write this book together. And it was a book about a friendship upended by uh, police violence. And we had to talk about race. Right. We had to dive in really quickly um, and have really hard conversations very fast and very deeply and vulnerably. And that's not easy to do under the best circumstances. Mm-hmm. Just in you know, our lives that is proven time and time again, race is one of the hardest subjects to talk about, but it's definitely does not make it any easier when you are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of thrown together with a deadline and all the other creative challenges. Um, And so we were really in the thick of it, um, having to have these hard conversations, but we're really honest about Mm -hmm. it because it is hard. And I think a lot of times when people don't want to acknowledge how hard it is then it seems like they're doing something wrong or they're, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you just have to be prepared that it's going to be hard, right. except that it's going to be difficult and push through to the other side. And we're also honest about that because we did that, right? Yeah, we so we there. like to think that we are mm-hmm. both a cautionary tale and a happy ending about, you know, what happens when you can and stay the course and, and keep talking and keep the lines of communication open and just push through, right so then you decide to make it wicked
0: easy and write about motherhood in the second book because no, why no, not right no. like why not why not Who just... knew that would be harder you know you could have done like a shopping novel you could have i don't know you From could... your lips but mother ears. i mean but motherhood really like let's motherhood race secrets and lies mm-hmm. secrets and shame i mean shame is a huge part of this book obviously And not to leave out the hope and the love and the good stuff, because there's a lot of good stuff, and you have to have both, right? You can't. It's relentless, right? If you have just the book where the terrible things happen. But I have a question for you that we're going to get to in a second. These characters are great, Cinnamon and Daisy. And, you know, Cinnamon's, what, Mm -hmm. 30-ish? She's married to a dude who's not all he pretends to be. (laughs) And we are going to keep this spoiler-free, because technically the book goes on sale tomorrow. So Some of us have read this book before the rest of you, and I'm not ruining it for you. And then we've got Daisy, who's 19, and neither of them has a particularly easy situation of it. Let's put it that way. That's, yes. That's yes. And Cinnamon's background is really complicated. And, you know, Christine, one of the things you said when you were talking about the first book a lot was, you didn't want riley to have uh-huh. one of those stories where everything goes off the rails everything's wrong it's a hard, you know she has a very sort of nice stable middle class life mm-hmm. right this happens some of us have nice boring middle class lives but that doesn't always make for great fiction and cinnamon's background is really complicated and i have to say that surprised me a lot given what both of you had said about the first mm-hmm. book where you were very deliberate in your choice mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone understood that there was sort of this different playing field i mean at one point cinnamon has no parents Mm -hmm. and that's really all i'm going to say about that and the world is a very different experience for her and that colors how she sees her ability to be a mother
2: yeah that's what we needed to do i mean we Mm -hmm. wanted to create a character obviously that had a lot of complications in her backstory because that informs her choices and decisions and agonizing about motherhood Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting You know, that obviously Joe and I want to stay away from tropes and stereotypes and Mm -hmm. so forth. But it's something that Cinnamon even acknowledges in her, you know, in the beginning of the book that, you know, part of the shame that she has in terms of her, the trauma of her backstory is that, um, you know, she feels like another statistic. She feels like a stereotype. She is worried about people judging her as a stereotype. And yet... And, you know, in adulthood, now that she's in her 30s, she has created a life with a, you know, a, a great job, stable mm-hmm. home. You know, she has really defied the odds in a lot of ways, and she understands that and embraces that. And some of her emotional struggle is around this idea of. Because she defied the odds so much, because she has mm-hmm. risen above so much difficulty and trauma, what else does she have the right to ask for or want, right? Like, she wonders, you mm-hmm. know, is this mm-hmm. enough for her? <laughs> Meaning her, you know, we won't get too into Jason, but her husband, too, you know, has his flaws and his her job that she loves but could do more, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all have that sense of yearning mm-hmm. of, you know... I like my life as it is, but what else could it be? Mm -hmm. And Cinnamon really is plagued by that sense. And Mm -hmm. so when this dramatic thing happens to her, it sort of serves as a catalyst to really bring that question to life, which is, you Mm -hmm. know, what do I actually really want from my life? Right.
1: And do I deserve it? Do I deserve more? And I think that that's something that women grapple with so often, especially as we hit our 30s, as Cinnamon's (laughs) vague. 30-ish mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. do I deserve more than this? And Cinnamon has grown up with so much shame in her past, she doesn't believe that
0: she does. And
1: mm-hmm. I, But I do think that her journey She's in a very different place by the
0: end of the book. Oh, yes. It's really satisfying, yeah. I will say. <laughs> okay, that's the one hand I'll give you. It's
2: very satisfying. Spoiler alert. The yeah. novel is very satisfying. Deeply, <laughs> deeply emotionally satisfying.
1: I'll because, take that as a blurb, actually. Yeah, I would I, just like, on the, on, on the co- cover of the paperback, quote, very satisfying. Yeah, i
0: buy that book. I mean, I am trying to dance around some stuff because, you know, I really do want to dance around some stuff. But I was not expecting her... To be as open to the idea of being a mother as she was. Mm-hmm. And not just because of her background, but she has, even though she's married, she doesn't have great support.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Her mother-in-law is her mother-in-law.
2: <laughs>
0: some people have blind spots, right? With all right?
2: that implies Yeah, I mean,
0: some. yeah, some people have blind spots, right? <laughs> and yet, here she is saying, okay, I actually want to go forward with this. And the way you present motherhood, not just for Cinnamon, but also for her best friend, Uh and for the mothers-in-law, and there's an aunt that pops up. There, There are some women who all approach motherhood really differently, and I love that nuance, and I really appreciate that nuance. But when you're sitting down to map this out, I'm assuming Cinnamon and Daisy sort of showed up first, the way Jen and Riley did, right? They're they're a pair. I mean, you need both of them. But when you're mapping out the rest of the story, and it's a tight cast, which I really appreciate, Mm -hmm. what's next? I mean, you have these two women, and how do you start to turn the the heat up a little bit?
1: Well, we knew that we wanted to show so many different ways of mothering, mm-hmm. being a mother, and choosing family. And mm-hmm. so when it came to kind of the supporting cast of characters who are in Cinnamon and Daisy's life, right. and it, we wanted all of them to show up in the world mothering, being mothered in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you know, just to put this book in perspective, we had the idea for it in 2018. And... Well, before right. the Roe v. Wade decision, right. finished the book mostly before the decision came down. And then everything felt a lot more fraught after that right. with the policing of women's bodies and taking away choices. And I'm not giving away too much to say, you know, one of our characters in the book is a human being in the world who can also try not to give away spoilers. I'm the worst spoiler giveaway by the way. I'm like,
2: you're allowed to say she's a woman. She's a woman. <laughs> a human being in the world. She's a human in the world who
1: doesn't want to be pregnant, who right. does not want to be a mother. Right. She genuinely doesn't have options. Yep. And we wanted to explore that because what one of the things that we really believe is that we often see one kind of mother Mm -hmm. in the media Mm -hmm. Um, and that is a very white privileged mother who chooses to have a baby when she's ready and you know goes on maternity leave and has a supportive spouse and Mm -hmm. we don't see all of the other mothers which are 95 percent of mothers in the world And we wanted to show those women.
2: Yeah. And we also wanted to show the ambivalence around motherhood. Like so many stories about motherhood are sort of after the baby comes, right? And Mm -hmm. then it's, you know, all range of, you know, motherhood memoirs around what that experience is like. But before that happens, you know, there's a lot of grappling with, do I want to have Mm -hmm. a baby? When? How? Can I afford it? What are my circumstances? Do I want to have it with this partner or not? And we don't really you know, see that enough. And so in this case, we have two women who are in very different circumstances, but they are grappling, you know, with these issues. And our hope was to show how complicated that can be, Mm -hmm. that people can choose to be mothers or not to be mothers or how they become mothers might not be a conventional path. But there are all Mm -hmm. these other, you know, gray areas out there that are contrary, as Joe said to, you know, what we mainly see, the you know, the main, you know, more more Mm -hmm. common narratives. And we wanted to twist that on its
0: head. I mean, it feels like for a long time we didn't even have more than one perspective on motherhood in books, right? No, definitely I mean, remember not, when yeah. we need to talk about, I'm, I'm really dating myself here for a second, Kevin, but yeah. when we need to talk about Kevin Cameron, yeah, suddenly there were book, all yes. of these... Off the book page features about how people actually hated motherhood, yeah. and I was like, "Well, you should probably have possibly thought about this before. Maybe you did that, but okay." Yeah. But it was trippy. It was really trippy to see all I of these lifestyle that. pieces where everyone was like, "Yeah, I really oof,"
2: or like, "Are you allowed to say that?" Yeah, I mean, that yeah, yeah. Kind of the into, yeah, yeah. And then it turned into, and then everybody did it. Yeah. and Then it was like, well, a whole as, long slate as of like yeah, yeah. the drunken mommy, scary right? mommy, All of it. <laughs> and I'm like,
0: okay, I'm really happy being an auntie. I mean, that's sort of my comment on all that. I'm, I'm I'm really, I love being an auntie, but the rest of it, I was like, mm, not for me. Thanks Same. very much. But the idea that we're having these conversations now, yeah. like, we've never really had these conversations. Like, how many times have you actually sat down with a friend? I mean, now you can because you have this book, <laughs> but it was trippy to me that it felt like everything you were talking about in You Were Always Mine was brand new. Oh. Mm.
2: It's 2023. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's is really, really brand new is the idea of a black woman taking in a white baby. Right. Well, there's I that. Mean, that is, <laughs> like, there's there's the that. The main, you know, I mean, it just, I mean, to like, you don't see that. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so that is, and mm-hmm. especially relative to the flip side of, we are so conditioned to think about and to see and to have that be a, pulp, a part of pulp culture of, you know. White people taking in black and brown children mm-hmm. that we don't even like bat an eye. Like, it's not, even, right. I mean, you wouldn't even notice on the street. You wouldn't, mm-hmm. I mean, you would not think about it. And yet, when you have the reverse, which is, you know, the case in this book, it really is, you know, sort of provocative at face value and mm-hmm. shocking because it is so, so rare. And so, that is something that we really wanted to start a conversation about. Why is that so, uh, you know, in 2023 or whatever year we're in? Whatever I've lost what count? time, like, what I don't know. Time? It's still too late uh, that we, we feel like these conversations or this scenario is uncomfortable, right, or at least right. noteworthy. But it is, and we, we already
1: know that it's jarring to some readers right. too, I and mean, it's shown up in some of the yep. reviews of the book where there's comments made saying, I couldn't keep going because what Cinnamon did was illegal. And wow! First off, she should have immediately gone to the authority. Right. And so, wow. first off, one, it actually wasn't illegal, but also characters, can, but also characters can do illegal things, and um, like that's a thing that people in fiction can do. But beyond that, what you really want to do is be able to you know turn it around on someone and say would you have had that reaction if it were a white woman who found a brown Mm -hmm. baby in the park and just wanted to get her ducks in a row to make sure everything was okay i don't think that they would have that reaction they Mm. would be like this is a movie with sandra bullock yeah hundred (laughs) percent
0: it was wasn't it
1: (laughs) i believe so yeah i I I believe she wanted she
0: (laughs) did win an academy award for that shoot i want to grab a couple of customer questions for a second, because they're they're siblings to each other. One is, what is your favorite part of collaborating together? And then, what was the biggest surprise working together? And I know you sort of talked about the biggest surprise, but at the same time, I think there's probably a little looser, funnier moment that might have been the biggest surprise. That we can talk
1: about in public? I surprised Christine today.
2: She, she She got new knowledge about me today. Today, I learned that Joe's middle name is Christina. I was today years old. Yeah, We were on a video shoot. We were, we were, and, <laughs> and I was like, this. wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True,
1: true story, true story. Um, we also got asked the question, and our, we did like social media video shoot today where we did like TikToks and things. We played the newlywed game. Like, we played well the newlywed game, and I, yeah. And and like, so we this both, is going to be awkward when we fail this. We both, game. I never <laughs> knew you at all. We both um, got asked what our favorite part about the process mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And mine, we both agreed that we like eating delicious food when it's and that mine was, we get to read out loud to each other, which, I mean, if you're writing a novel on your own, it can be really lonely. But we get to read the entire book out loud. Like No one loves your book as much as you do. Nick doesn't want to read my books out loud with me. She called (laughs) you
2: out this morning in the video shoot. She said, Nick doesn't listen to me read all of my books from start to finish. Out loud, yeah. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Out loud, (laughs) yeah.
1: See, he's like, no, no, I will not. Um, But I think they're better for it, because we catch things, and the dialogue gets so much stronger. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're doing what we're doing, which is taking difficult issues and putting them on the page. Right. I think it matters even more that the dialogue Tone, feels real yeah, because completely. it could really easily stray yep. into caricature. Mm-hmm. And with both books, we mm-hmm. were able to not do that because we got to read out loud to each other. Yeah. And Christine makes me do it in my podcast voice. Mm-hmm. So She'll I'm be like, just
2: talking in a normal voice. i you like just talking like this like,
1: and then I'm like, chapter, chapter one. one.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I'm, so I'm
1: here for And it. I'm Joe Piazza. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's that half octave that you drop yeah, and you're yeah. like, right. It's like the and It's throat. also kind of a reminder to not swear on a hot yeah. mic. I have so many reminders for not <laughs> swearing when I do this.
2: Don't things. worry, I just sound shrill and high pitched all the time when I'm <laughs> doing it, so it's fine. Um, for me, mine was the brainstorming at the beginning, mm-hmm. because, and especially mm-hmm. it's nice to have uh, another person to do that with, right? right. Because. We spend a lot of time, before we were even writing, as you Mm -hmm. said, you know, you're thinking about who are these women, right? Mm -hmm. Who are Daisy and Cinnamon, or in Riley and Jen's case, you know, who are they? And so we just, you know, sit and talk on the phone, which is some of the rare times that we're actually collaborating on the phone. Like, a lot of times it's more, you know, we're just in a Google Doc. Um, But I love the beginning of the process, because, like, you know, sky's the limit. Like, anything's possible Mm -hmm. with these characters. Anything could happen. And we just, you know, keep... Like right. you know, narrowing it down to what about this? What about what you know? This, this, and it's it's the really fun multi- to feel yeah. like you have that sort of the full multiversism. Yeah, is available. like uh-huh. that power yeah. uh, okay. of like creating. You know,
0: do your characters actually surprise you though?
1: Yeah, okay. all the time, I think all the time. So. Okay. Yeah, there's but lots yeah. there's lots of things that we don't expect to happen, and that's kind of the magic of, of book writing, right? Yeah. That you can have the best laid plans mm-hmm. and the best outlines. Christine loves outlines. Oh, God. So much. And I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants, <laughs> which drives her crazy. <laughs> then your characters do things that you don't expect them to right. do. You're just like, oh, my God, yes, of course, this is what's going to happen. And that feels like that's the magic in fiction,
2: I really think. Mm-hmm. But also we gave, no spoilers, but we gave Daisy and Cinnamon a, a lot of obstacles. I mean, the same yeah. with Riley and Jen. Like yeah, we, yeah. We, we we packed on a lot for okay. them that they had to overcome in their past and in their present, you know, mm-hmm. in the book. And so we really found ourselves rooting for them. And it was nice to feel like, well, we have, to some degree, the power, right, to, mm-hmm. to give them the satisfying endings, mm-hmm. you know, to, to help them get to the emotional places that we wanted them to get to as people. And that Mm -hmm. that is really satisfying. We hope as a reader, but it's definitely satisfying as a writer Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of create that and have it be earned and not just like, and then they change their lives.
0: And one of the things you do in the new book that I quite liked was dropping in letters. Mm. Mm. You will find out who wrote these letters and to whom they are writing these letters. But the idea that you could sort of dial up the intimacy, right? Like, is there anything more intimate than writing, reading someone else's correspondence? Like, it's more than even eavesdropping. There's a reason we like epistolary novels, yeah. <laughs> There's a reason we like them as readers. But stylistically, you made a couple of other big choices in this book. And I'm wondering how much of that comes out of what you learned writing we are not like them, and how much of it was just, we want to try something new, because why not? We can, and we have this working relationship that's really solid.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, we definitely wanted to write an epistolary novel. Like, we both mm-hmm. love yeah. them, and yep. so when we started this, we wanted letters to be a part of it, and it was a good way to bring in another character's point of view.
1: This is different than We Are Not Like Them. Mm-hmm. We Are Not Like Them, mm-hmm. um, the chapter's alternated between yep. Jen and Riley, and with this, this is mainly Cinnamon's story mm-hmm. with, the letters interspersed. And we want we really wanted to try something different and a different mm-hmm. kind of style. We wanted Cinnamon to own her own story. That was also because of everything Cinnamon's gone through in her life, it felt nice. She deserved that agency. Mm-hmm.
2: But it's also hard, I think. I mean, Joe can speak to this more because she's written many more books than I have. I've lost count. But you know, it's it's as a writer, you have this fine line between You know, we loved writing, we weren't like them, it worked, you know Mm -hmm, what I mean? Like, we mm -hmm. felt good about the story and the storytelling, and so it's like this tension between... How can we recreate that magic? At the same time, how can we do something completely different? Because you also don't want to just keep writing the same book over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so that some, you know, like, <laughs> some authors do, some authors do. No names mentioned. But you know that's something mm-hmm. that we, if not uh, you know outright, struggled with. Was something at least you know in the back of our minds of mm-hmm. you know what what is that latitude there, especially when we're dealing with to some degree similar subject matter, right? Like we keep wanting to look at race through these different kind of. Entry points, right? And so how do we do that in a way that that feels fresh and unique?
0: You talk about class a little differently in Mm -hmm. this book, right? We do. So, Aunt Cecilia. You'll meet Aunt Cecilia. I don't want to give up too much about her because what you guys do with her and Cinnamon and what happens between them is really smart and it really pushes a lot of Cinnamon's story Forward without getting us lost in flashbacks. Uh-huh. So I just, I wanna talk about that craft piece for a second. How do you balance moving the narrative where you need to, but keeping the backstory loose and manageable and not um, a distraction?
2: It's hard. It's really yeah. hard. I was just gonna say that yeah. it's so hard. And that is the answer. Yeah. I,
1: how many times did we say we've got to cut? This, yeah. Back? Like it was just. Sucks, yeah. It was so backstory heavy, too mm-hmm. early in the novel, and that's always the case. Totally. But then, where do you put
2: it, and what do you do right. with it? And do you don't want to give too much away too early. I think what our guiding principle was in this book, and you know, as an editor, I would always tell my writers is that you want the character to be discovering what you want the reader to discover at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an organic way to Mm -hmm. bring in backstory when this is not going to give too much away, but when, you know, Cinnamon gets a piece of mail. Oh, uh, yes. (laughs) Right? So we didn't need a lot of backstory before she gets this piece of mail Mm -hmm. because, you know, then as in life, if something happens in your current life, then that's going to cause you to organically reflect on, you know, your backstory. And so we tried to use those moments So that it really felt like it was unfolding Mm -hmm. um, and the reader was along for the ride as opposed to here's what you need to know, dear reader, in order to know who Cinnamon is. And we tried to avoid that.
0: You know, it seems to me, too, that the way you handle class and the intersection of class and motherhood in this particular world is clearly something you guys have been thinking about. Since the first book. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there were also a couple of reviews that were like, well, you could have done more with... Because there's always a couple of reviews where they're like, you could have done more with... you hundred know, like, Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah.
1: could have written a whole different book. You could have. You could have. <laughs> and luckily you didn't. No, wait, can I say my favorite, yeah, r- my yes. favorite was review, though? I it too, My yeah. favorite review that we've gotten so far is... The main character's name was Cinnamon, and I just I couldn't, just get, couldn't past get past that. Past
0: that. <laughs> I just couldn't get past that dude, I don't even know what to do with that. Okay, I don't even know what to do with that. But again, going back to this idea, though, that you've put this first book out into the world, the two of you, right? Pardon the bad sports metaphor, you left it all on the field, right? Like, you've had this big shift in your relationship, you have learned how to write a novel together, which none of this is easy, right? And how much of both of these books have changed you as people, not oh, just as wow. writers, but as people, and not just the pieces you've already talked about, but it seems like there's been a big shift in you, and granted, I mean, I'm working off of a lot of research, yeah. but I just, <laughs> I do my homework. Okay. It seems like there's been sort of a psychic shift. Okay, mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. You want to talk about that for a second?
1: I think I've become more empathetic. Mm-hmm. I really do. I i was a journalist for so long, and Like different kinds of journalism, a lot of entertainment journalism, a lot of political journalism. And when Mm -hmm. you're in those fields, you just kind of almost flatten people sometimes Mm -hmm. because your job is to just report, right? Right, You're going to report and you're going to get the facts and you're going to pump out that Mm -hmm. copy, especially when you're at a newspaper, right? And I think you lose track of the importance Mm -hmm. of the stories sometimes. But working on these books together, and not just the writing of the books, but the conversations they start, that Mm -hmm. we've been at over 200 book clubs. We've zoomed into people's homes all over the world. It's made me realize, the beauty of just listening again and having these conversations with grace and respect mm-hmm. and civility that I think I'd lost for a long time mm-hmm. when my job was to just get words down on paper.
2: I think for me, you know, there's there's such an emotional component to writing that I... Completely underestimated as an editor. You, know, I was like, <laughs> you really did. Turn really your dead. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was like, turn your revision in. It's due Friday. Yeah. Here's my 13 page editorial letter. Have at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, yeah, it's really hard. And so I think that that is really like the emotional vulnerability, both in in actual writing itself, when you're mm-hmm. just you know home mm-hmm. doing it and then when you share it with somebody else you know and when then it's in the world and you right. have reviews and then you're talking to people and you're interacting with something you know about something you created mm-hmm. i mean it really is like standing naked in front of people over and over again and that you can't help but to change you as a person you know right. what i mean like i just i do feel like i walk in the world in a much more vulnerable way now than i did before yeah
0: i mean that vulnerability You know, there are people in the world who think that reading is just a thing that you do, right? You're hanging out by yourself with a book. And it is, in fact, an act of communion, right? Totally. It is an act mm-hmm. of communion. You're connecting with the writer. You're connecting with the characters. You're connecting with the world. It's not a solitary thing yeah. that you're doing. By your, like, it's just not a solitary thing. And when I think of all of the conversations that you probably have been able to start in mm-hmm. places that no one was ready to have uh-huh. them, oh yeah, my eyes get really big because uh-huh. I'm like, well, this is what we're supposed to do yeah, with quiet. books and mm-hmm. art and literature and what like we're supposed to be able. To jumpstart this stuff and not just sit in our little corners. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's easier to sit in your little corner. Uh I am not the only person who's had those Thanksgivings. I refuse to believe I'm the only person (laughs) who's had those Thanksgivings. But sometimes you have to be really willing to be vulnerable. Do, do. Mm -hmm. And wow, the way you do it in both books, frankly, Uh is a lot.
2: It is and it's hard but I think the gift of it is that we get a lot back. As hard as it is to be you know vulnerable and honestly you know to be judged for your work and output you know the Goodreads reviews or what mm-hmm. have you. I'm and, not gonna read them anymore. <laughs> I'm <done>. Oh don't, <laughs> don't. I know don't, I, was in, I was, it was in a dark place one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well I think it also I mean this is like a little bit of a sidebar where we talked about mm-hmm. this in a podcast the other day. I think part of the hard part about writing too or any creative output is that we live in a society where you want to say to yourself, um, and especially as women, like, I don't care what other people think, right? Like, I have yeah, yeah. to be in my lane, and I'm not going right. to be a people pleaser, and I'm just going to, you know, do my thing, and I'm not going to look at, you know, somebody else's Instagram vacation is so much better than mine, and her dress is so much better, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you put a book out in the world, the very definition of it is, I hope you love this, right? Yeah. And so it, love it's hard. me. Yeah. It's hard to hold both of those, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the part of the vulnerability. It's hard to hold both yeah. those truths at once. I think the thing that helps us and the gift of it is when we have these conversations and when we go to book clubs and mm-hmm. we talk to people mm-hmm. and they share with us, then it feels like it's like there's a purpose to it, right? We're not just saying, you know, didn't I write this amazing book and you know, do you give me an A plus for it? That's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is, did you get something out of it that we can connect on or that you can connect with somebody else on and talk about and do you feel you know changed or moved or you know uplifted what have you as a result of this mm-hmm. read that is what makes it worth it
0: audience question how do your families of origin
2: mm-hmm. react I love a to this work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good question. Tracy hasn't read this one yet.
2: Oh, really? No, I, I
1: showed her that the book was dedicated to her, and I think she just kind of. You know
2: what? I was telling somebody the other. My mom was like, "Oh, cool." I know. I was like, "People think it's a big deal. People think when you're it's a big deal." Book. I know. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah and Tr- like, Trace was just like, okay. <laughs> the reprint edition, Lindsay. We're taking our moms out.
1: Like, just read them out. Take them out. Take them out. If they don't appreciate it. Mm-mm. Um, but she was funny with we are, with we're not like them. Remember, like yeah, she really so. felt like her because my mom, you know, lives in like the suburb, a really white suburb of Philly, right. um, and has you know lived like a fairly sheltered life mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. without much diversity in it. And like she like highlighted and underlined mm-hmm. parts of we are not like them and she's like that's it just made me think about so many things <laughs> um and like at, at some of our events she would say those things right. that it made her think about um was like, and i'm just like Shh. <laughs> um but yeah and i'm in a way that's who i was writing to and for mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah. because she, like, genuinely hadn't thought about those things before. Right. And we saw that so many times right. in book clubs.
2: Yeah. And and you know, my parents were foster parents, um, mm-hmm. and so that's been a big part of my family of origin and, you know, the, the circumstances around that I've seen firsthand how complicated it is. Mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, any family configuration is complicated in different ways, right? There's just a unique set of complexities in foster care and adoption right. um, that did not make it directly into the page, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, we inspired by this idea of the push and pull of, Creating family and chosen mm-hmm. families, and what a beautiful thing that can be, and also the complexities that 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 arise. And anytime, honestly, in America, I mean, this is you know a little bit what we were trying to talk about in our first mm-hmm. book too. When you're off the beaten path in any way, when you're outside like a very conventional, mm-hmm. usually white nuclear family structure, if you know there's adoption, if there's single parenting, if there's you know blended families, if there whatever it is, mm-hmm. which is actually fairly common, and mm-hmm. yet. There's all these complexities around being outside of that norm, aggressive explanation points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of that is exploring how our characters feel you know, really outside of that norm and how damaging that can be.
0: I think all of us here would agree that love is a really great thing and that we all aspire to it. Go but it is it is also a practice <laughs> though. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes yeah. it takes work. And watching Cinnamon go through what she goes through and how she does it and the choices she makes is really kind of great because she's exactly that person uh-huh. saying, "Okay, all right. Uh-uh. I mean, when she's first figuring out the baby seat?"
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about Cinnamon and even that example mm-hmm. is that, you know, we when you're pregnant and have a baby, there's a certain uh, like assumption that you know what you're doing, or okay, that you have to yeah, pretend yeah. that you know what you're mm-hmm. doing, or whatever. And cinnamon, mm-hmm. because of the circumstances by which she has this baby, has a lot more latitude to be like, you know, she's yeah. still suddenly, you know, in possession of mm-hmm. an infant. Is mm-hmm. like, you know, she can be honest. I don't know what I'm doing, right? right? And so the reader can be along for that ride, which is, you know, scary. (laughs) The baby
1: seat situation is funny Funny that you mention it. Because, Mm -hmm.
2: so, you know, Cinnamon's trying to put
1: the baby carrier into the car seat, like, in the back of the car. And she puts it what she thinks is the right way, which is facing forward so she can see the baby's face. Like, when she looks in the Mm rearview mirror to make sure the baby's okay. And, of course, any, all parents know should never put the the baby seat facing forward every time you go to the pediatrician they're like So the carrier's backwards in the car, right? And did you have to be like, yes, of course it is. I know what I'm doing. I was like, Christine, she's like, we're going to get flacked
2: for this. We got to make it. People are going to freak out. We're at the message boards. Everyone's going to say, put the baby seat. Put the baby seat. I'm like, but it's a normal thing to do that. She didn't know. Because people are insane
1: about motherhood. (laughs) We had a whole conversation about this. (laughs) But it is, what's so funny is that we prepare, with We Are Not Like Them, we prepared to get a lot of feedback and a lot of judgment for people to tell us we were getting it wrong Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because it was about gun violence and race and a police shooting. And we didn't prepare as much with this one except for that car seat example. But I think the judgment is going to be even more because people have opinions about babies and motherhood. And And we're already seeing that. And I think that's so interesting. I agree.
0: I'm hoping, though, that all of the folks who are giving you feedback—that's
1: <laughs> what we call it now—yeah,
0: Feed- and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that because I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. feedback seems to be part of our world now. Mm-hmm. Sure is. But I'm hoping some of them do actually maybe sit for a minute, mm-hmm. yeah, with whatever it is that's making them uncomfortable. Yeah. In the novel, because there's, I think there's a lot of room. I mean, yeah, I was very judgy, maybe about Cinnamon's husband. Maybe super judgy.
2: Every character can't be perfect.
0: No, but every character has their place in the story, and I love the balance. Mm -hmm. And again, this goes back to my earlier point about nuance, that there is... Okay, pardon the pun, there's no black and white in this story, Mm -hmm. and that's really, really important. And I think it's leading me to ask about your writing process. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm sitting on a bunch of questions, actually, from the audience about process oh, and mm-hmm. balance and, and how that process has changed between these two books. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you have this wonderful sense of nuance. Everyone gets their character. Yes, it is Cinnamon's story, but everyone gets their arc, right? And you do a lot. You do a lot. In this book. But I'm wondering if we can talk about how that relates to your working process between the two of you and that partnership.
1: So, one of the things people, a lot of people, assume that Christine writes all of the black character parts and I write all of the white character parts. That comes up so much. So, they said that one interviewer just called us Jen and Riley for the whole interview. And it was like just this male old school radio host. And we just didn't. Correct. We weren't like, that's not how fiction works.
2: Like, now, Riley, yeah. what would you say? Or what would, would you say? say? Oh, and I'm like, no, you know. no. But, um,
1: <laughs> but also, it, but with there, yeah. the assumption is there with this one. And the truth is... We start with a really robust outline, and then we each just take parts of the book. We just start going, and then we start trading back and forth. And Mm -hmm. we work in a Google document, which Christine hated. (laughs) So I'm just going to – for every book we do, I'm just going to remind you that you hated
2: it. Yes. But now Um, I'm a convert. But but
1: now she's a convert because it's better. And Mm -hmm. we go back and forth. We'll write one chapter, and then the other one will go in and, like, layer onto it or take things out or be like, oh, I think you missed this. And that's actually such a gift, which I – I think I realized more in this book, because mm-hmm. with We Are Not Like Them, we were still getting used to it. Yeah. And like editorial feedback can be jarring at first. I mean, I know, like, right. you know most writers I know get their editorial letter, and the first time they read through it, they're like, ah! And then they sit with it for like three days, and they're like, oh no, that makes sense. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, but with us, that happens in real time, yeah. constantly. Right, right, right. And it was very jarring at first. But now... I'm used to it, and it's so nice to have someone go through a chapter I wrote and say, oh, but we're missing this and this, and Mm -hmm. how about if we put this in action instead of dialogue, right? right?" And it really is a gift to have someone that writes alongside you. Yeah, and
2: I was also going to say that, you know, so much of writing is, I mean, it's a solitary act, but it's Mm -hmm. a collaborative endeavor, meaning it doesn't really matter what you've written if it's not resonating with a reader, right? right? right, right. So you need that feedback, and a Mm -hmm. lot of times if you're... Writing alone, you're you're making those decisions really in a vacuum, right? Yep. Does this make sense? Is this working? Is this boring? Is this the stupidest thing I've ever written in my entire life? Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And when you have somebody else with you in those trenches right away, I think, you know, it speeds up that process of getting real time feedback mm-hmm. and just even the reactions of is this working or not working? Where you know, most times the more conventional writing process is if you, you know, go and go and go and then you turn it over to someone like Lindsay or <laughs> Heather sitting next to her or any other editors in the room and you say, you know, what do you think of this? Right. And so it's just like a different way to get feedback, you know, in a different, in a different time scale.
0: Everyone needs <laughs> an editor. Everyone, everyone needs. needs an editor. Do not Louder fear the are. editor. Do not fear everyone. I mean, everyone. Needs sometimes I grind out weird pieces of copy and I'm like, someone look at this, please, because I don't want to send a weird thing out into the world. Do you have any Advice for anyone who's looking to co-write a novel with someone else?
2: We've gotten actually a lot of questions about yeah, this, and I wonder yeah. if it—it does seem like more people are co-writing novels. Mm-hmm. Like this is like I don't know if it's a trend. They are. There are definitely
1: more co-written novels now, mm-hmm. I think, than before. But I also think that. Many friends harbor this fantasy yeah, of, one, yeah, yeah, oh, this is the book we'd write together, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, kind of like that fantasy of like couples that are like, one day we'll buy an inn. Yeah. yeah. Same. same. Yeah. The exact yeah, same yeah. fantasy. So yeah. my friend Casey did. <laughs> yeah. She did. Yeah. And it's lovely. spruce the inn. You should all go there in the Catskills. And so we get that a lot. And I think my best advice is that not everyone should write a book together and that's okay. Right. Um, <laughs> And it is a lot of work and Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. the communication struggles are real. I would liken this relationship the closest parallel I have is my marriage. That we Mm -hmm. had to figure out how to communicate in different ways and really, really well and talk about things constantly. A writing pair should try it, but also Mm -hmm. don't be disappointed if it doesn't work out. Because just like I don't think you should necessarily work with your spouse or your or every spouse or your best friend. And sometimes it won't work. And I think Christine and I also are very good at having a healthy separation now mm-hmm. yeah. where it's like, okay, we're spending this time together and we're working and then we can do something socially too. But like we're, we're and there's some ba- bound, we had to have boundaries between and, like, yeah, yeah at work. And, um, and we're also personally. equally, I think we have the same work ethic. Okay, definitely. It won't work if you don't, if right. you ever feel like the other person is slacking, like it just creates this resentment. Whereas with the two of us, we pick up the slack for each other when it's like, oh, okay. Like, do you have to give birth now? Okay, cool. For
2: example,
0: um, yeah, that story blew my mind. I'm sorry, you were editing with a wow, you. There was labor, and you sent a manuscript. I wow. I did. I sent the past couple manuscripts
1: in. I sent Charlotte Walsh in while in labor, and then this one.
2: I don't know, Joe. It's think, a blur. Like, I really, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how your children were at any moment in this process because there were so many and it all just blurred there were so
1: there were so many books and so many children all at once yeah really yeah it was four books and three children in yeah i was just watching a lot of law and order yeah Yeah. um (laughs) yeah but then christine you know you did our whole copy at it
2: yeah because i couldn't
1: i had literally just Given
2: birth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The days um, and then you had COVID, and I picked up the tail end of it nice. when it came back.
2: So, Brutal time. yeah. The one thing I was going to say is that, um, in terms of a collaboration, is mm-hmm. I think you can't romanticize it. I think yeah. a lot of people mm-hmm. have this idea of like, oh, we're going to do XYZ together. And even a marriage, you can't really, I mean, it's nice to romanticize it, but in the end of the day, right? There it's are some worked. practical realities mm-hmm. there. And so I think, you know, part of what we came up against in the early part of our relationship was like, you know, this is so much harder than we thought it was going to be. So right. the expectations, I think if you go into it, understanding that this is going to be, you know, really hard and it's not just, you know, some sunshine and rainbow scenario mm-hmm. that you're going to be in a sitcom of making a novel, like it's right. going to be messy and hard. Um, and there are going to be good days and bad days and that you're just going to have to be willing to navigate them because you have a sense of, commitment to each other, right. again, much like a marriage or a friendship, where you're like, you know, not everything is just going to break us, right? right. We're going to keep right. going. And that that requires intention.
0: We do have one more question that I'm also kind of curious about, because obviously you've got the podcasting thing happening. You're also doing freelance. Like, everyone has lots of stuff happening right. in yeah. terms of the work. And we have an audience question basically saying, can you talk about your workflow and how the novels fit into the workflow? Yeah. Because I do think, you know, and we're not talking about loading the dishwasher. We're yeah. super not talking about loading the dishwasher. We're talking about building media empires, <gasps> which, you know, we should talk about this more.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. I think it really is the work ethic thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe and I are both like really deadline focused. I mean, J- missed- where is we're Jade? Yeah. Is Jade? Yes. Jade? Yeah. Jade yeah. will know that we have never missed a deadline. We've never missed a deadline. Period. Nope. Never any mm-hmm. copy edit, flatbed, like nope. whatever. Nope. We've never mm-hmm. missed a deadline. Yeah. We're pretty Giving proud of birth. That. COVID. Yeah. Didn't Doesn't miss matter. Not. The deadline. No, but I mean that's really important to us to like show up for each other and to whoever we have, you know, any deliverables to. And so that when I hear about people like missing their deadlines, it just gives me talk about hives. Like, oh my god, how? Why? How did that happen? Even though when I was an editor, it happened all of the time. But but I think we we both really care about that accountability, and so that keeps us focused. So whatever we have going on, we always have our project happening at the same time. So it's like you know, this chapter is due Friday, we carry mm-hmm. our own deadlines, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so we are showing it to the other person on Friday, or we're going to have this, you know, talk about this chapter this day. So we just like keep the momentum going that way. And then mm-hmm. whatever else we need to do. And, that, and that's why it honestly helps that we are not in touch verbally all of the time, right. because we work on our own schedule. So Joe is like much more of a morning person mm-hmm. than I am. I am not a morning person, as many people in this room can attest to. (laughs) Um, I need to ease in. I need to watch Law & Order, as I mentioned, and then I need to get my laptop out, etc., So we can work on our own time and Mm -hmm. we're not kind of beholden to that schedule. So if there's Mm -hmm. other things that we need to do and prioritize and the rest of the nature of our work with other things that we have to produce, you know, we can try to control those deadlines too. So if Joe has something to do, like her Wilder podcast, which debuted at Tribeca today, you know, I can pick up Mm -hmm. the slack or vice versa. Like Mm -hmm. so, somebody is always Mm -hmm. working, even if we're not always working equally at the same time. Right.
1: And also to manage the correspondence. I mean, just managing admin, right? And so, like, we're texting each other, and Christine's like, all right, I'm going to write back to this email or start a Google Doc Mm -hmm. for this interview that we have to do. Yeah, we just kind of divide and conquer, which is nice.
0: What's next?
1: I never knew you at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, you do. No, I okay.
0: do now. Actually, that's, the, okay. title that's the title of our next
2: book. That's the title of our next book. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh-oh. Show 2024,
2: 2025. 20, I mean, our editor is here, so now. 2025. Okay. Lindsay, yeah, Lindsay, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I mean, I realize I
0: just got this one. I should not be greedy, but <laughs> yeah. we're here. I'm asking the question.
2: But then we have to, we were joking, we have to stop writing books with pronouns in the titles. Because, because it's getting really hard in like, interviews. We're we are we're not like, always mine. You were mine. never always we mine, were, not not you. were always them.
0: Yeah. It's okay, very chef, confusing. So for book four, you can figure something yeah, out. Yeah, it's let's, just going to be like a bold, we'll like,
2: like, go, um, then, I mean, one it. noun. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And so this one is exploring
2: race. It's actually perfect on Loving Day. It's about um, an interracial relationship. It's about an inter- interracial relationship.
1: Yeah. With a little bit more suspense. In it. How, I don't, how much are we giving away? How, yeah. what are
2: we, we, We're at the very beginning stages. Well, we have just 100 say pages, which is nothing. Yeah, yeah Lindsay,
1: not 100 nothing. pages already. 100. 100,
2: give But it's about an interracial marriage between a, a black woman and a white man, um, and what happens when this couple learns a uh, sort of secret about the uh, white man's father-in-law who's in his 80s um, and, you know, what he Mm -hmm. may or or may not have done. His His grandfather grandfather who raised him, but what he may or may not have done in the past Mm. and how that learning of this um, upends their relationship and this information comes to them by none other than Simone, the black woman's ex-boyfriend. So the plot thickens there, but it asks questions about, you know, what is forgivable and when Mm. and, you know, Are we responsible for the transgressions of our youth and how well do we know people and you know, what do we do when we learn information about people that we really don't want to have and how do we Mm -hmm. act on that information? So we're enjoying the process. It's
1: Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, this one's a lot I mean, I don't know why. I think we just know how to do it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Each each iteration or each is a
2: little bit easier and a more more seamless, Mm -hmm. but we're excited I guess we'll see you on stage and your know, short ears yeah. I, I, the way It'll time like that. okay the way time moves now I, don't I know, know it's true well, I
0: it, I don't know how we got to 2023 to be perfectly honest I don't, anyway that said thank you Christine Pride, Joe Piazza Thank you, you Are Always Mine is out now Thank you for listening. Poured Over is a Barnes & Noble production. To help other readers find us, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.